Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas and um, wishing everybody a Happy New Year also. So today we are going to be talking about PCOS and infertility, which usually they go hand in hand. So I'm going to let Janet take the lead on this one and just tell us what is PCOS? PCOS stands for polycystic ovaries. And basically what happens is that there's an imbalance and it usually starts very young in life, probably after uh, the first menses. And there's an imbalance in progesterone versus estrogen. And so starts out very benign, perhaps the, the young teenage girl does not have normal cycles. And when she does have cycles, it can be erratic or very heavy and difficult. Um, so basically, we're just not managing our estrogen and our progesterone is not being produced. Many times, too, um, during this process, teenage girls start having cystic acne. Um, they might have too high testosterone levels. Um, but with how that plays out throughout life is many times we get um, diagnosed, but we aren't treated properly. And so as we go along, when we start with fertility, as we are a young woman wanting to start a family, then we start having fertility issues such as um, unable to carry a pregnancy and um, that can kind of persist throughout life. Some people do, um, but it can be a problem. So basically the biggest problem is an imbalance of hormones. And typically when somebody is younger, when a woman is younger and having issues like this, the traditional treatment is birth control pills. And what that basically does is suppresses all your endogenous production of hormones, right. which you're already not producing enough progesterone. So birth control pills in the long run make it worse. Right. Um, really what needs to happen is you need progesterone. Like Janet says, if you're having cycling issues, it's usually a progesterone issue. So you need progesterone to help you cycle. A lot of times um, you need thyroid also. So if you are PCOS, and um, you have some of those symptoms, which can be acne, can be oily skin, like Janet said, because your testosterone and DHEA might be higher normally. Um, but the main thing you lack is progesterone. And especially when younger, that can help the treatment. That can be a treatment. But when older and you still have PCOS and some of those issues, thyroid is very, very important. And don't just trust a traditional doctor that says that checks your TSH and they say, well, your thyroid's normal. Well, just because your thyroid's normal doesn't mean that um, treating you with thyroid won't make you feel more optimal and get rid of those symptoms of PCOS. Janet, will you talk about PCOS and how um, metabolic syndrome right. and uh, is usually related? So, Typically what happens is in our normal cycle, progesterone balances estrogen and where estrogen starts becoming a culprit with our metabolism is we become what's called insulin resistant. If we have too much estrogen versus progesterone. So what happens is our body starts storing our energy instead of helping us burn our energy. And so many times um, weight gain becomes a problem and it's abdominal weight gain. And on our traditional Western side of medicine, what we put 
uh, a gal on is a uh, estrogen-based uh, synthetic estrogen to um, help treat her symptoms and block that she's having a period at all. Um, and so we, we add and exaggerate the problem. So not only are we having our own natural resistance, but then we add another estrogen on top, which causes more problems and more weight gain. And so we exaggerate those problems where the fix really is to get her cycling right. properly. And really where it comes down to is that we're not understanding where the estrogen and progesterone are in the cycle. So what we're doing is we're just band-aiding it and it's actually setting her up for further problems down the road. And as we gain more weight, we store more estrogen and so that vicious cycle keeps keeps going. We store, store, store instead of burn. And she talked about the insulin also. And a lot of women that are PCOS are overweight. And that then causes the fertility. And a lot of times they are insulin resistant because they have too much insulin already. They're not really, they don't qualify as being diabetic yet, but they're really going down that road. And really, honestly, if you look at their insulin, they're probably diabetic because they're not responding well. So one of the treatments um, for PCOS is also diet related. I think it's very, very important, you know, not only to start uh, progesterone, but also um, make sure your thyroid is optimized and make sure that you um, start watching what you eat. Um, low carb, I believe in low carb, and especially for women that are PCOS, I think intermittent fasting is really, really important. They've already got too much energy. They're, they're storing it as fat. They're storing extra glucose. Um, their insulin is high. So they, if they start fasting, it'll bring that insulin down and they can start losing weight better. And um, then in turn, other things will follow. Their cycles will follow and all that if you get them on the right progesterone and thyroid. You want to comment on that, Janet? I do because a lot of times we just think that, you know, putting a hormone or taking a medication is always going to solve everything. And, and that's not true. And you can even have somebody who's metabolically looking healthy but their PCOS is still there. So, you know, diet is super important and balancing um, processed foods versus healthy foods. We talked a lot about this over the weekend with um, the holiday with our children about how important real food is that, that we consume because the more processed something is, the more likely it has more um, sugar that's refined and that's going to be a, an issue. So if you are someone diagnosed with PCOS, the more that you can get to real food that rots and, and we have to cook and preserve without being put in a box is going to be far more healthier for you long term. And it's the small steps along the way because the thing is, is that to turn the clock back, we have to take small steps. It doesn't happen overnight. And, and if you think about PCOS, which... If you're, if you're PCOS, <clears throat> you're probably not cycling regularly. And that also means you're probably, if you're younger, you're probably um, not going to be very fertile. You're going to have a hard time getting pregnant and maintaining a pregnancy because of lack of progesterone usually. And, and one of the things is, is that our diets can cause that. Um, you know, when your body prepares itself to carry um, a baby, it wants to be healthy. And if you're not healthy in itself, yourself, then it's going to say, you know what? I don't really, I can't afford to, to carry a baby. So I'm not going to cycle. So you can't get pregnant and carry another baby. So, or you do get pregnant 
you miscarry right. um, because it's met, metabolic health is very important and our bodies are, are smart about it. They know if we're healthy or not. And if we're able to take care to actually carry another life. And if we're not, we just, we won't cycle or be able to carry the baby. Right. That's very, very common. So it's not just about taking progesterone. It's not just about taking thyroid. It's also about watching your diet and being healthy. So maybe we should back up slightly and explain where progesterone hits during our cycle. Um, the first part of our cycle, when we have our menses, usually it's just estrogen. There's no progesterone that is being made or released from our ovaries. And as we get to about the midpoint of our cycle, we start producing progesterone. We usually start ovulating during that time frame. And then progesterone really starts ramping up just in case we become pregnant. It ramps up until the point where it stops and drops off, and then we go into our menses cycle. Well, a lady that is having polycystic ovary syndrome does not produce enough progesterone, so that estrogen lining just keeps building and building and building. And so that's where the traditional cycle goes wrong, is that they want to decrease that building by making her look like she's going into a pregnancy because basically that's what the birth control pill does. But it adds a foreign estrogen to her body, so it compounds the problem. So when they do decide as they get older to start having children, um, they take them off the birth control pill and then they start the pregnancy part. And then she's set up for, for miscarriage because her own body is not able to produce the progesterone. So when you become pregnant, that progesterone is just being re reprocessed or built or released at just a high level during its first trimester to second trimester to maintain that pregnancy. And that's part of the Latin word, progestation. So if that's lacking and missing, usually that first trimester is very difficult to maintain a pregnancy, even if they become pregnant. So we've, we, the treatment process is, is there, it's out there. We, if we looked at our basic biology and anatomy, um, and even some providers do treat women and give them progesterone, but the problem is, is that if we've compounded that issue and made that difficult for that lady, or we don't even give her that opportunity to, to get back into health, we just decide, well, you know, you have this problem, so let's just do a hysterectomy. Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of how our traditional medical system works. If you're less than 40 and you're having hormone kind of issues, it's birth control pills. If you're over 40, hysterectomy. And sometimes, unfortunately, even if you're under 40, hysterectomy is, is, uh, uh, is, is talked about and goes down that road. And the problem with that is hysterectomies, um, there's lots of studies out there, but hysterectomies take 10 years off your life. Right. Um, our, you know, we're meant to keep our body parts the rest of our life unless there's something seriously going wrong that you can't fix medically. Right. So, and one of the reasons metabolically it, it takes years off your life is we've already discussed the fact that it sets people up for metabolic issues such as diabetes, but then you have the cardiac problem of cardiovascular health because hormones help with that. And if you are continually storing, so you set somebody up for chronic long-term health issues that can be reversible if they're treated early. 
Yes, for sure. So I, I, I caution hysterectomies. Most time, I think they're unnecessary. I think they're just easy fixes, and it's the way our system makes a lot of money on hysterectomies. I'm just being totally honest on that. So back to metabolic health. What are some things that women can do? Some simple things. I talked about fasting. What are some other simple things, Janet? Let's talk about fasting. I guess right. you know fasting is such a general term. Um, so let's 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 talk about fasting and the benefits of it and how long a fast sure. should be and all that. Sure. So first off, there's so many religions out there on diets, and this is going to hit you know January first, and I'm already seeing things pop up on my phone and Facebook and social media. And let's be realistic about this. Most of us, most Americans can go without food for at least a day or two. We're going to die from lack of sleep before we would die from lack of of food. So let's just kind of keep that in mind. So how I look at it personally is if I'm going to be doing more sedentary activities, then my caloric intake needs to change. So if you are starting to implement something like intermittent fasting, which helps because you don't have to do every single day of the week, but maybe once or twice a week. Um, I choose days, for example, where I am not going to do a lot of physical activity because it makes more sense, right? Cut your calories down. Um, or it could be a time frame too, like from the time you get up to the morning till you go home the evening before you, you know, have one meal before going to bed, but whatever that looks like for somebody, you know, keep in mind your activity level. So if you are someone that is very active and you're going to go to the gym or you're going to, you know, do a run or whatever, don't choose those days to fast, be appropriate. So, you know, be mindful of your activity, but, but there's no reason why if we have a desk job and we're not moving that we can't cut our calories for at least eight to 12 hours. Well, and I think even more than that, I, I think, uh, I try to shoot for, you know, a 16 hour fast every day. So basically depending on activity, not every day, but depending on our, on activity, skip breakfast, skip lunch. And no, that's not dangerous. You know, like Janet said, um, we store a lot of energy. In fact, most of us could go without, we store enough energy to live for 30 days without food. I'm not saying that would be very pleasant necessarily, but one or two days is not going to hurt us at all. Um, there's so many other benefits of fasting rather than, you know, just lowering your insulin levels, lowering your glucose levels, um, and, you know, possibly losing weight if that's your goal. I think intermittent fasting is a good way. But I think, you know, eat, eat dinner. You know, they, some people call it one meal a day. Um, you can do it every day depending on, on your uh, workout schedule or your activity schedule. But I think one meal a day is pretty easy and just go with dinner. And here's one of the things. If you focus on protein and real food, I'm not talking about, you know, um, supplementing with protein necessarily because uh, I'm a big believer in eating real food. But if you eat real food and you eat, you know, beef, for instance, and you eat enough beef at dinner, you will be satiated until the next day. You might have to get used to that. But that is the case. Um, and so, you know, you're going to be fasting for 20 to 24 hours already if you're eating one meal a day and you're only eating dinner. And I think it's easier to fast during the day than it is in the evening because during the day you're usually at work. You know, you're not around unlimited food sources in your pantry and your and your kitchen and your uh, refrigerator. So I think it's easier to fast during the day. Um, 
But anybody out there that's pre-diabetic or, di or diabetic, this is what I challenge you to do with fasting. If you're not on medication, that can lower your blood glucose. We are told many times in healthcare that the answer, well, we're told in healthcare all the time that the answer to diabetes is medication. Well, that, that is just an outright lie. The answer to diabetes is changing your diet. And if you want to see how you can reverse your diabetes, fast for 24 hours and see what happens to your blood glucose. Now, don't do that if you're taking medication that can lower your glucose and get, get, and, and and put you into hypoglycemia. Um, like, like if you're on insulin, don't do that. But I challenge you, if you're pre-diabetic, you're not on any medications, or you're diabetic and not on medication that will put you into too low glucose, just fast for 24 hours. You know what will happen to your glucose. And then tell your doctor, well, I proved it. It's reversible. So then long term, what are you going to do? Um, you just fast more often. You don't have to do it every day, but fast a, a few day, days a week or, um, you know, find out what schedule works for you. I think it's very I think fasting is very, very important because one of the problems with us as Americans is we mostly have an unlimited food source. So we're constantly eating. I think the, I think they say the average American eats 15 times a day. Now, I mean, if you, that includes, you know, you're drinking your coffee with cream in it and, 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 you know, little snacks here and there. But think about that 15 times a day and challenge yourself to just count how many times you eat a day. Um, and whatever that is, if you want to start losing weight, then just eat less, you know, and, and, and have a window where you're going to eat. Give any, add, you have anything to add to that, Jen? I do. So first of all, I think we're unaware of how much calories are and what the calories look like and what serving sizes really are. For Americans, we have this sad diet that our, our government put out, I think, what, in the 50s or 60s, about how we're supposed to consume about 2,000 calories on an average and adult. Well, that's just not so. I mean, you, you should figure out what your height and body type requires. So for myself, if I'm just working in office and, and not out of office, I consume anywhere from 800 to 1,000 calories on a day. But that does not mean that that's a day where I'm working out heavily or, or doing some big activities. So you find out what works for you and you go from there. And then keep in mind, what does it, what does it look like? What is a serving size? Figure that out. Measure, look, weigh, read packages. There's so much material out there, it's easy to do. And the other thing, too, is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to do everything every day right away. So choose one thing. So for me, I love coffee. I loved cream, but I just eliminated the cream, right? Do one thing. Small hinges swing big doors, right? If you are somebody who buys your um, coffee at Starbucks or a coffee stand, make it at home. You can control the calories much easier. You know, small things. You know, over time, I've seen many women that have dropped weight just by doing that alone. So it's it, it's small things that we can decide and do, and then they become habit, and it's easier to achieve. But when it comes to protein for women, especially when we have somebody like PCOS and we're talking about, you know, managing your protein first, I think, as a priority really sets you up for success because most of us do not know as women what that protein serving should look like and how how big of an impact it has on us because like Sean said we feel fuller when we eat our protein and also we've made that priority to heal too because if you had for example a procedure a surgery or trauma your surgeon and doctor should tell you to consume 
proteins to help heal and replace. So let's let's make sure we have good tissue and repair. I'm not saying to be on a perhaps keto or, or some, you know, totally restrict carnivore or that kind of thing. I'm just saying make it a priority. So small things that we can live with in our lifestyle that make it easier to succeed. Eat your meat first, and I guarantee you'll eat less of other things. I mean, it, that's those are just the facts because uh, meat is so satiating, whether it's beef or chicken or pork. Um, and if you really want to restrict calories and, you know, stick to, to lean, lean meats, um, like lean beef or chicken, pork is, there's really not much, there's really not a lean pork per se, but, and I'm not saying that pork fat is bad. It just does add extra calories, uh, because fat is so calorically dense twice as much as protein and carbohydrates. So speaking of the the small hinges swinging big doors, a hundred calories a day, is five pounds a year. Just do the math. That's really, that's really it. So if you, you know, when you think that that extra, you know, hundred calories is not going to do anything per day over a year, it's five pounds. Um, so, and that's typically how people end up gaining 50 pounds is, you know, after high school, they just gain, you know, five pounds a year. Next thing you know, 10 years later, they, they've got 50 pounds on. Um, so, Small changes do make uh, get big results over the long run, and that's what's important is to be is just to be consistent instead of you know trying to be consistent is something that you can do long term. And there's certain things like like you know strict keto diets I think are very very difficult to adhere to long term. Um, I think if you understand the concept of keto and you know you you know, basically when you go keto, usually you stay away from processed foods. I think that's one of the reasons that keto is successful when it comes to weight loss. So just to encourage people that if you are PCOS or you're, you're a young girl and you're starting to have cyclic problems, early on treatment is especially important. And find somebody who specializes in hormones because not everybody's... Um, Unfortunately, not everybody is as educated or understands the importance of balancing the progesterone and estrogen ratios. Even though they might have uh, training, it doesn't mean that they know what they should know or they're practicing in a way that it's going to be beneficial. So we regularly refer people to hormone specialists that know how to balance people's hormones. And um, that usually gives people... uh, better choices and decisions and healthier outcomes. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as if you have any questions about PCOS or know somebody that is that has PCOS or infertility problems, cycling problems, please have them reach out to us at the pharmacy, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy. That's what Jan and I do all day long is we help people with hormone-related issues. We, we talk to uh, patients and healthcare professionals all over the nation all day long, and we absolutely love it. So uh, feel free to, to reach out to us. Uh, let's see if I can find a... There it is right there. Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, 509-764-2314. This concludes our discussion on PCOS and infertility. Stay tuned for our midweek podcast, which is Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, You listen to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for listening.